Just remember, there's a special place in hell for women who don't help each other. In the culture war, there are no winners, just podcasters. Only a few are willing to risk their lives in the face of some of the dumbest ideas to have ever captured human civilization. Every week, we, Megan Daum and Sarah Hader, humbly accept this mission in order to bring you conversations that are equal parts stunning, brave, and unhinged. Sarah, you're looking very stunning and brave this morning. Oh, thank you, Megan. Uh, so are you. Yeah, Extra seven, stunning. 7.30 a.m. my time. So I hope people appreciate that. So we're, when did you wake up? Uh, you know, 6.55. Oh, okay. That's not even that early. Yeah. I like to have, I like to have, I like to have bedhead, mm. camera ready bedhead. Mm-hmm. It's in these days. So, yeah. Yeah. So how are you feeling about our uh, foray into YouTube? Um, yeah, it's a rocky start, I think. <laughs> um, Whose fault is that? Megan, I'm going to point the finger directly at you. Okay. Okay. No. Um, are you going to generational? Uh, you're shaming me. So yeah, we have some, we have some uh, administrative uh, issues. We have some problems. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, we have some challenges. Yeah. It's actually really interesting because this is where the generational divide really becomes clear and <laughs> yeah yes yeah. or just like the presents, stakes are high the stakes yeah. are high yeah and it's it's not just something we're talking about like oh this is different but like f- realizing that we're different based on different intuitions when it comes to technology and how to use it and how to work together um so how are you liking our new uh management systems so we're trying to we're trying to use like project management systems and yeah. uh, they're they're going to help us or be so organized and we're yeah, gonna be it's really super um, on top of things. Yeah. Uh, well, we should say just in case anybody missed the memo. So now we're in our new season now, and we're working with a production team. We have a we have a manager who's helping us grow the show. And the reason that we're doing video is because you have to be on YouTube in order to grow the show to have the algorithm make the show discoverable, get new, get a bigger audience. And so we're working with some production people who make our, our clips and our trailers, and there's all kinds of growing pains with that piece, but they, I don't even know how, I feel like you just started this whole thing. So, you know, back in the olden times, if you wanted to, um, uh, like communicate with people, you would send them an email, uh, or even pick up the phone. But I know that's like, I mean, we're, we're talking about like using an abacus or something like the phone for you would just be some kind of like colonial Williamsburg exhibit. So, so you, we, we're now attempting to use, what are they even called? Management tools? Pro, what do they I mean, called? um, project management. Yeah. Project management systems. Okay. Software. Um, software. But it's software. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And there's all different kinds. So are we even saying the names or we're not there? This, this is not product placement. Believe me. No, no, it's uh, we have there's Asana. People use Asana. I've used it before. There's Trello. Um, there's Monday. There's all these new ones because it's Monday. Uh, That's a perfect name for it. Notice how it's not called Friday. It's a growing field mm-hmm. because people are working online and mm-hmm. it's really, really important to be able to communicate and be on the same page. It's there. There are things about, you know, working together 
on a team in the same room or nearby, you ju- there's just so many, so many aspects of communication of knowing you can just look at over at the other person and you look and see their desk. You kind of have an idea of where they are on a specific project <laughs> or task. You know what if I mean? If you could see my desk, you wouldn't even be having this conversation with me, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, but you know, but you just simply, you can't do that when you're working on a team online. Uh, and so there just needs to be a lot more communication, like kind of constant communication. And these tools help you organize and make that happen. Okay. If they make no sense to me, this is actually fascinating because so you're 30, let's just round numbers. So you're 30. Let's say 31. I'm because I am 31. Okay. You, did you <laughs> have a birthday? Um, no. Without telling us? Okay. No. Well, whatever. You're, no. you're 31. I'm in my early fifties our manager that we work with is like between our age. So he's like 40. So say you're 30, I'm 50, he's 40. I think he also hates these things. Mm -hmm. So I Mm -hmm. think it's two against one, but the issue is that it's you and me that have to deal with it. I hate this. They make no sense to me. It's completely confusing. It's Mm non-intuitive. It's a waste of time. Nobody's on the same page. Uh And I don't know why you can't just email. Yeah, I, I, I think the cutoff of like, people who can intuitively understand these systems, like where, where this is the language that they can speak like very fluently is like 35 maybe. <laughs> and then I think after that, like 35 right now, 35 as in, uh, in, in 2023. And then I think after, after that point, they become really difficult and kind of, uh, unless you're a computer person and you're very, very familiar with this kind of, this kind of thing. And you've been working online for a very long time. Yeah. I, I can see why it's confusing kind of, you can't even write something down. Like you, the one that now we started using Trello and you said that was going to be a lot easier. You're it like, is, Oh man, this is going to be a piece of cake. This is like for dummies. Right. Okay. And I don't even understand. Like you can't, you hit, you hit. I try to go, you make a little card. It's like a card and you, it's, you know, like you post it to the bulletin board, but then you put the, I try to make a list of things. And it, the minute you like hit return to go to the next line, it like disappears. And starts a new card. You can't even write anything down. You, you can. You can. You can. You just have to get used to slightly different ways of writing something down. But it's like useful. without the writing part. No, you can write. Down you part. can write. You can write it and you can have it down. I, I guess, you know, like those uh, adjective rules that, uh, or is it, is it adjectives? Yeah. Like the big brown bear kind of thing. Like there are rules to quantity goes in no, the, I don't there's know a this sequence you don't know a, this? this is a generational Hold thing on. Too. okay no we have big to brown bear up. i mean honestly this is how i so do you have like my whole desk is like i have like little thing like i i would like to know what your desk looks like if anybody's watching us i have like little sticky notes oh Look, my gosh. this is this is what i have i wrote this is what it she says show notes doc printing oh my god this is just randomly sitting here on my desk i actually printed something out Oh, wow. Um, I print things out. I print things out. I print things out. Okay. So here's, here's what this is. I looked it up. So these are the order of adjectives. Um, And we are, English speakers are not taught this in class because we don't need to learn it. Um, But it's interesting when you, um, when you hear about it. So uh, the order is that opinion, size, physical quality, then shape, then age, then color, then origin, then material, then type, then purpose. It sounds crazy, but uh, think about it from the perspective of the big brown bear. When I say 
the big brown bear, you know, those are two there. There's two adjectives there. Um, and we will intuitively say big brown bear, not the brown big bear. Like brown big bear sounds wrong intuitively. Well, it too. sounds racist. But it just it's it also sounds weird. You know, like intuitively, we know that there's an order. And in fact, it's a very complicated order. Like, let me see, like a very okay. like, I'm trying to think of a, an, an extreme example. Anyway, but the, the point of it all is, is that uh, this is something that's intuitive, becomes intuitive to English speakers. We just pick it up and we don't even know that there are rules or we don't even know that that yeah. we all understand this. But people who have to learn English um, as a second language, they have to memorize these rules um, because they're extremely unintuitive and they're very, very frustrated by them. And they think English sounds English is crazy that it has all these like crazy rules and it makes no sense. Um, and it reminds me of what's going on. It makes me think of what's going on here with Torello. Because <laughs> I think that brain. there's, yeah. well, I think there's, there's something that's, there's some aspects of, of being online and familiarity with these, with just software in general um, as kind of a native language versus something that you adopt over time slowly. I think that's a, it's, it's just a different way of interacting with it. Um, so I think it is hard for me sometimes to put myself into your shoes, you know, and to yeah. be like, how is it? Well, like how, you know, it, I, it's hard for me with my mom too. Like with my mom will say all kinds, like, yeah, I remember this was many, many years ago. So she, she, she wouldn't say something like this now, but I remember when we were, I was very young and like got a, like a desktop computer or something. And I was typing a bunch of stuff. Um, just playing around. I was showing my mom, this is a word processor and this is what this does. And she was like, and I was deleting and writing all these things. She was like, wait, you're wasting ink. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I remember, and bad. I was like, oh, oh. And then I, you know, we talked about it, but it was just something, she just hadn't encountered it. She didn't, hadn't seen it. Um, and she struggled a lot with like uh, address bars for some reason um, on like a browser um, I don't know why that was difficult for her. Um, she would try to write things down in the address bar. Um, well, ironically, now you can do that. Yeah, you can. Yeah, it's true. Uh, but so there, she was ahead of her time. She was. And well, now she's a pro. Now she's um, all on Facebook every day, sending all kinds of stuff. Well, that's very old. That's a very old person. I mm -hmm. bet your mom is like younger than me, if not my age. I don't even want to think about it. But I mean, she's uh, she's also on like Instagram, on Snapchat. She's all she's on. See, all I'm those not places. even on that. Yeah, I'm a very late adopter. I just it takes me forever to to do anything. I had a BlackBerry phone for a really long time. What I don't understand is how you can keep organized in the email. Like it's just there's so much going on. Then you don't you have like dozens hundreds of emails all the yes, time like thousands how's... tens of that uh but yeah but just search your email just go to the search thing and type da, 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 and then it comes up whatever you're what if you remember only like the spirit of what was said but you don't remember the exact word and so the search won't find the exact word but if i type up your name i get like 100 emails yeah but we can see what the last correspondence was and i just but if, me, what if i want to remember very... like you know the thing you asked me to do a month ago, but I forgot. Yeah, well, going on a, going on Trello is not going to answer that question because I, I, a, I probably didn't use it, and b, if I did, it didn't, it disappeared into the ether, and I put it in the, in the wrong place. Okay. All right, if there's so, no, I don't know. Look, if somebody pains. wants to come to my house, here's okay. Here's this is also interesting because so this summer. I was trying to, I was trying to learn how to do, um, see, this is how I'm so, I, I can't even do audio editing. I was trying to do some very basic audio editing on GarageBand. And one of my, um, 
listeners, actually a very a, a supporter of the the various projects. This woman, she's a musician. Mia, she's fabulous. She's Australian. She's like a rock star in Australia. She volunteered to come over to my house multiple times to tutor me and how to use GarageBand, and she really did help me a lot. But the fact is that I needed somebody to sit there with me and show me. So I do you need I do had, you need me to come over and Yeah, I'm buying you a plane ticket. I, I had tried multiple times, endless times to go on YouTube, to to look, you know, look at the tutorial videos, to learn how to do it. And I literally could not figure out how to like even where to put the cursor like I needed somebody to physically sit there and do it yeah, well, so because they're there I think the YouTube videos you know I understand that because the YouTube videos they also presume actually a certain level of familiarity that like my mom wouldn't be able to I mean not saying you're 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 like my mom actually she's yeah, more advanced I than am. you now so um it sounds like it yeah uh, but but even she couldn't learn from a YouTube video because they're, they they explain to you what you need to do here in this like physical space. They they take there's certain assumptions that they make um, about familiarity, like what you were saying about I don't know where to put the cursor. That's not something they're going to teach you how to do on YouTube. They're not going to assume they. I don't know. I I, I think. I think you need to be like under 35, frankly. Yeah, no kidding. For all kinds of reasons. And you know what it is also that I feel like um, I have encountered younger people who don't know, you know, a single thing about computers or don't know how to work computers. Like they know how to work it in a very superficial sense. So they can be like they can adopt a new software kind of. But on, on a on a on a basic level, they don't understand how it works, really. They don't understand the backbones of it at all. And I found this really shocking because I just assumed that the younger you are, the more you're like understanding how technology really works, like not just on like the front end, like what you see, but also what's actually happening. What is the computer doing? Literally, you know, um, and they're not actually teaching kids this, which is no, it like probably so, goes the other way. It's like air. It's like the air they breathe. So why yeah, they yeah, but they, there's still that? there's still certain things that you need to understand that are not the um, apparent to you from what you're seeing, like on the screen, like the logic behind what the computer is actually doing is not apparent. Um, and you see this a lot with like discussions of like algorithms. You know what I mean? Like you'll have like random people calling algorithms racists and racists. And, and it's like, it's, you don't understand what an algorithm is. You don't understand what it's doing. Um, and that frustrates the discourse quite a bit. Uh, but I have found that there are younger people who don't know, who don't know about computers. So I, I learned at a very young age, um, and I think I just take for granted that this is just something I'm familiar with. Like, it's not just a generational thing. I think it's actually beyond that. Like there, there are even even younger people are not always they're good consumers, but they might still not know the underlying logic of something. OK, like if you have to make a, a grocery list or something, mm -hmm. do you write it down on a piece of paper? I often write it down. Yeah, I often write it down only because I don't always have my phone on me when I'm thinking like when I'm in the kitchen, I don't always have my phone like right there but i can easily just like write on a notepad that's sitting next to the okay. fridge so, okay so you do have thing. like pens and paper in your house i do i do yeah lots okay. i i i actually recently purchased i don't know you might you might be interested in these kinds of tools it's like um it's like a kindle but you can write on it you can write notes no, on I'm it not, and stuff. i'm not interested in that no no interest i well, hate but, but it's your writing but you're writing it's like pen and paper but it's but it's not like it can't even like 
it's like, how do you even read your handwriting? How do you ever read it? Like, yeah, but how do you, if it's like on those things where you like on the, on the screen, like, no, 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 you get a pen, you, you get a pen and it's like a really good pen and it works really well. Uh, then you lose, you mean like the stylo, like, oh, but then you just lose it. You the don't. Stylus. Oh my gosh. You don't lose it. Oh my God, it. I you would lose, lose it. it. You just attach it to the thing. It's fine. Okay. All right. We're going to, you know, we're going to work on this and. I'm the only person who I, I actually, when iPads first came out, I got one and I hated it so much that I returned it. No. Why? I hated it. Why? Well. Okay, this is hilarious. So I, this was probably like, when did they come out? This was probably like 2014 or something or 13. So I had this assignment to go down to um, to Peru. So I had this magazine assignment for this magazine called Afar, A-F-A-R. And they have this thing called Spin the Globe. So they get a writer and they say, do you agree to, we have this feature where we tell the writer they're going to go someplace, but we don't tell them until like 24 hours before they leave where it is. So like the idea is that they, they throw your name, whatever they, anyway, they, they tell, they told me that I had to go to Peru like 24 hours before I had to leave. And I bought a, um, an iPad to go down there. Cause I were going to be like backpacking and stuff. And, um, I was like using it. So we were, it was this, the trip, it, it was a very sort of harrowing trip. And I ended up like borrowing this random woman's, like she, she gave me like a pair of shoes so I could go on this overnight backpacking thing. And like the shoes were, I was, they were like inadequate. And I was basically like, anyway, that, that doesn't matter. But I, I was walking around with this iPad and I kept using it to take pictures mm-hmm. and like, you know, I would be like having it, holding it up. And I was with this group of very young people, like 12 of us and like none of the, nobody spoke English. And at the end of like this sort of harrowing three days or something, um, one of the guides came up to me and was like, oh, I didn't realize you were taking pictures with that thing. I thought you were just looking in the mirror. <laughs> so they thought that I was like, hug, hug, you know, like, trekking up this mountain and all this and then like taking out this ipad and just like looking at myself in the mirror it was mortifying and i also hated it and i hated the way the email was laid out and i hated the whole thing and i returned it and i yeah i got back within two weeks and i returned it to the to the apple store so and i've never had an ipad since i hate oh wow wow so wow no what i i think i can change you no you can't i think i can i think i can because i i think I, i i I think I understand like what's going on, like psychologically. And I think I can, uh, I mean, my mom is sitting there an expert. I mean, not no, but she, she's, she's very good now. So I think, uh, we can, we can do Are you this. Gonna wear me down. Well, it's been almost a year. All right. Well, well, I didn't know this about you. I didn't know that it was that bad. Yeah, I know. You never would have gotten into this with me. You would never have started this podcast with me if you'd known that I cannot use the management tools. Yeah. So I'm I'm very into the management. I'm very into optimizing workflows. Um, I think this makes me a really annoying manager to work with, like when I do manage people, um, because I'm always I'm try- always trying to make make it better, like make the workflow smoother or cleaner or more organized, but everybody has to be on the same page in terms of adopting those technologies because if they're not, it might start if it was an actual page, it's not a page. Okay. It's like a weird space. It's like a weird rectangle on a screen. I'm going to show you moves in a weird way. Next time we're in the same physical space, what I'm trying to do, because I'm I'm trying to, (sighs) if you heard of these like second brain tools, 
like I don't that sounds horrible okay. I don't want to hear anything about that that sounds hideous okay okay I'm gonna show second you my hideous brain. second brain okay you know okay wait wait one more thing one more thing so, so I I actually had um a discussion similar to this um with a younger family member um a couple of months ago and she and I were talking about why you know we in the west just like have like no respect for like, like we're such a future oriented youth oriented culture and we've lost respect for the wisdom of people mm-hmm. older than us. Um, and yeah. uh, she was just like, it's like so much of it is just technology. And like you as a young person, see your parents, not as like competent people you can learn from, but people who fumble with technology, you know what I mean? Like they can't even open the browser. They don't even, you know, and why do you need to ask your mom about, this or that when you can Google it and Google right. will tell you something more precise, more accurate. And then, I mean, it, it, it leads you to start devaluing what older people have to contribute, you know, to like you as a, as a person who's growing. And I'm wondering if that even leads to like, I, I'm wondering if younger people actually seek out mentorship with older people in the same way they that they used to. They don't. But, but, but they used to, right? Like there there used to be a point where, yeah. No, I've talked about this before. When I was in my 20s, if I could get an audience with somebody who was like in their 40s, 50s, whatever, somebody in my field, mm-hmm. somebody who had the kind of career that I wanted, mm-hmm. I, absolutely, I would seek that out. But the thing is that the career is so different now. The professional landscape is so different now mm-hmm. that like I don't really have that much wisdom to, it's not really, I don't have that much practical advice to impart to a younger person because my professional life was built on a foundation that doesn't exist anymore. So I I don't blame them for, for not really needing to seek me out. I think you do have advice and input in it, but, it, but it's like a deeper, it's like in a, on, on a deeper level, like, the, yeah. like you still understand people and you understand like the craft of writing and you can, you can, you know, or and persuasion or whatever. But you yeah, know, those things matter. But in all the superficial ways that are really, really visible, especially to young people in a way that matters to them, it's like, oh, uh, technology keeps changing and older people keep falling behind. And so they don't have anything to offer me. Yeah, I think yeah. there's uh, something to that. There's a Substack post. Yeah, no, in, in no, the, it's um, I mean, I wrote about this in my book. It's like it's sort of a I, I think a lot of the um, kind of def- knee jerk animosity um, toward older people just because it comes from a kind of a, a lack of necessity. Like we don't need them. You, you don't, you don't need yeah. us. Like you don't, you know, even if I'm somebody's teacher or something like that. Um, and I don't mean to say, I, I mean, people ask me for advice constantly. Like, don't get me wrong. My yeah. email, my inbox is like, you know, spilling over with people asking for that kind of stuff. But, but yeah, yeah it's, it's a rate of progress. It's issue. The faster, the faster yeah. that we as a society progress, the faster older people get, you know, I mean, aren't they, you know, in, in corporations, their team, the mentorship programs are like going the other way around now. They'll oh, team uh, the older. Yeah. Oh no. yeah. They'll team like the older baby boomer Gen X person with the young millennial um, Gen Z person for all kinds. Oh, oh yeah. This has been going on yeah, in the corporate no... world for a long time. Yeah. Mm. To show them the ways, the ways mm. of the world and also the, the, the ways, ways of the internet, of, um, basically. Yeah. The ways, the ways of, of the internet, but I think also like sensitivity, just kind of cultural issues. Oh, no, no, no. So, so, so that's where I think it, it goes astray. That's why I think it goes astray. No, well, well, I think we, I think that, so the confusion goes that if, if they don't know anything about technology and they can't function in this technological landscape, then they also have, that they also, you know, their values are also broken in some way. Like they, and, and like there's a wholesale 
let's disregard everything they have to offer because they can't operate. Yeah. And I think that's really, really mistaken because those young people have, have garbage values and, and no understanding okay, of how well, humans you're work. A, you're a traitor to your, yeah, to your we know, cohort, we know that we've, yeah, we know that yeah. on this podcast. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, speaking of what you've been getting yourself into trouble on, on Twitter as usual, speaking I mean, I don't even know the, we should that. even phrase it that way because it's like every week it's okay. like, it's like every, it's like all the, t- all the time, some separate group is mad at me but this time it's because it's a bunch of new yorkers who were mad at me because i yeah, said that uh, new yorkers i said that it was uh it was a gross smelly place <laughs> and you know what i stand by that it's the, the it's new york response yet, to that the new york res- oh but it's always stinks it always stinks it is smelly in in the summer for sure it's always smelly it's always i, I think we when did we uh, see each other in New York? It was like March, and it, it wasn't smelled smelly to me. then. I don't know. I think you're just used to it. I think if you, I think you, you just spent too much time there, and now you just you, your nose. Yeah, it's like you get adjusted to the smell. It's like if yeah. you, if it's in your house, you can you don't notice it. I think that's what's um, yeah. So you, what did you say? Why would anybody? I mean, this came up. Obviously, um, there was a. There's been some stories out of New York having to do with quality of life issues, but. Uh, how did the, what even prompted you to to tweet this? Well, I mean, it was um, the the strangling of uh, or suffocation, death by suffocation, choke, of, the chokehold, yeah, death, the chokehold yeah. death um, that has been going around the news lately uh, and sparking a lot of fire. So first, I got dragged for some of the comments that I made um, on uh, on Jordan Neely's death, uh, but then. Then I got dragged because I said that actually I don't even know why anyone lives in New York um, to begin with, <laughs> and that actually made people more mad. People Seven were million people can't be wrong. I I don't know about that. I think a lot more live outside New York, and maybe they maybe they're not wrong either. Well, if it's okay. a numbers game, it's complicated. If it's a numbers is that game. even right? Sorry, I feel the minute I said that, someone's I think it's be way like, more than that. Not, it's right. way it's way more than that. Seven Hold million on. is like Houston. Well. <laughs> Like really? Yeah, it's way more than that. New Population York is like, of New York City, uh, it's eight and a half million. So oh, okay, okay. Well, um, are we? Could, but I mean, Greater New York is that the five? You know, that yeah. does that include the um, Greater New York includes, is has to be larger. No, no. I mean, not? the great New York City, the five boroughs is eight and a half million. Okay, um, actually, that's according to twenty twenty one. So it's probably less now. But you know, there's also the, there's the suburbs. There's the, the tri state area would be. Um, the tri-state area would probably be more equivalent to how you're measuring Houston. Yeah. Houston is just very, yeah. Houston's odd. Look, I'm not living in New York City at the moment, but I... But you I, were there for a very long time. I, I was, and I keep going back. And um, and you enjoy it can every never, time? Can't can't pull myself away. Look, I mean, it's um, it's it's a hard place to live. Well, Los Angeles only has um about 4 million. It's just so spread out. Yeah, that's... Yeah, I couldn't live in Los Angeles. I couldn't live in unless I was rich enough to live like on the coast somewhere nice. But Los Angeles is so easy compared to New York. It's just like it's oh, yeah. I I mean, I don't know. I don't put your groceries in your car and drive around. And New York, you're always just schlepping everything. That's because you can't you don't you're in the city. You don't really use your car for errands. I do like that. I mean, I I was in Boston for like a very short period of time. And it was a very just difficult adjustment to get 
rid of the car, you know, not not be thinking about a car anymore. And I found like my world got smaller, <laughs> but mm-hmm. because in, in Texas, it's like you're always driving everywhere. And if something is like, you know, 10 miles away, oh, no big deal. You're just going right. to, it's nothing. It's right there. But I think my high school was like three miles away from where I lived. Um, and I remember um, talking to my husband about this. I was like, oh, my high school is real close. It's like, you know, when we were in my in my hometown, I was like, it's real close. It's just like three miles that way. It's I, I live right next to my high school. <laughs> and he, he was like, that's not close at all. That's not close. That's pretty close. I mean, he's, he's, yeah. he's a city guy. He's right. a city guy. And he didn't think that that was very close. Um, but to me, it was Did like you backyard. walk there ever. Did you walk three miles barefoot? No, I mean, you would die. You would die. It's Texas. You would die in Texas. You couldn't couldn't make it. But when I was in Boston, I remember that everything just became really, really small. I started to, you know, there was just a tiny radius where I could where I could go. But I got healthy. That was nice. I was walking around a lot. That was, you know, my my legs were like nice, nicely shaped by the end of it. So that was good. (laughs) New Yorkers have the best shaped legs. It's true. Yeah. But I got a lot. I got very, very pale. I didn't even know I could get that pale. I didn't know that was my like my actual skin tone if you take the sun away. But I got I got so pale and people would people would say I was Italian. People people were like, are you like Italian or something? And I'm like that pale. It was terrible. And it was a bad look. <laughs> it was such a bad look because as I looked pale ashy. as an Italian. Well, I looked mm-hmm. ashy because it was, you know, it was like. My skin needed sun and it wasn't getting sun. And I had like just a crazy vitamin D deficiency. I don't know how people Okay, but that. wait a second. This is in normal. Boston? It's Boston. not like you're living in Alaska. It was okay. in Boston. I just, I, it was, I don't Boston know. Boston is a grim city. I'm not a fan. Really? I'm not a fan of Boston. You don't no, like the like, tiny little Irish guys? Do I like the tiny little Irish guys? I mean, the <laughs> leprechauns that are like lurking in, in every alley ready to... Spring I, I liked Boston. I thought it was say. nice. It was like kind of it had a blue collar vibe. And then but also there was like an also a PhD uh, Cambridge Stephen Stephen Pinker esque vibe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know. Anyway, well, look, New York, it contains multitudes. So, yeah, I mean, we're going to be uh, this story is evolving. So we're not going to talk super specifically about it. But because this is this episode is going to be released, things will have probably happened um, between this conversation when this comes out but but uh yeah i mean there's no question that the the subways have become extremely chaotic and the number of mentally ill homeless people on the street is uh has increased by order of magnitude although it's still not as bad as in in pot as it is in places in on the west coast so Mm -hmm. yeah um i don't know uh i don't know if you should be even using that as a like comparison that's as like a, saying you metric. know like the it, like it's not the it's not the as bad as an actual mental hospital it's not like, as bad you know. as you know pakistan it's right. like okay all right um doesn't really <laughs> doesn't mean anything at all but yeah i found w- what prompted my new york comment was a lot of new yorkers being like like so what i see this thing all the time yesterday some guy like took his pants off and like masturbated on me and and that's fine. You just like deal with it as a New Yorker. And if you can't take it, yeah, you do you. If you can't take it, then get out, then get out of the city. And I was like, okay, well, that's why I'm not there. And that's why I'll never be there because I just can't, I guess I can't take it. Yeah. There's like this thing of New Yorkers of like how tough you can be, how much literal shit you can put up with. Honestly, like, I it's like, well, I don't, I don't get it. What are you bragging about here? You know, it's, you know, it's so funny because when I, so I was, I lived in New York for all of the 1990s. 
And then I, I really was away. I mean, I've lived most of my life actually in Los Angeles, probably the longest amount of time. But when I went back to New York in 2015, it was like Disney World. It was so, it was, you know, Bloomberg mm. had been in office. Mm. It was the, the wealth was like unprecedented. It was this, everything was clean. Every neighborhood seemed like it was wealthy. I mean, I was living in Brooklyn for a period of time and I hated it because I felt like I was living in Connecticut. It was all the, all the wealthy people from Tribeca and the finance world. They, as soon as they started having kids, they would like move to these wealthy neighborhoods in Brooklyn, like Carroll Gardens. And, and I just, it was not for me, but I remember, and, and I also remember like riding out the subway to Bed-Stuy, you know, it, it, 11 o'clock, 12 midnight kind of thing. And people would be, have their laptops open, like, you know, doing stuff on the subway. And back in the nineties, like nobody, I mean, if you were like a white person never would go to Bed-Stuy. I mean, it was, these neighborhoods Hmm. were absolutely um, cordoned off. If you were like a person that lived on the Upper West Side, you were never going to go to Bed-Stuy. And now everything had been gentrified to the point where everybody was mixed, mixed in. You never really thought about, about, crime. I mean, not that you're not aware, but one of the things I noticed was that the subway ads, and I think these are always a very good barometer of sort of like the, the kind of temperature, like the sort of cultural temperature of the moment. So there would be these subway ads for, you know, various products and they would advertise like, you know, food delivery and all the kinds of, you know, dating apps or whatever that they you know, Casper mattresses or mini storage, all the things that they advertise on the subways. And a lot of the ads took this tone of like, New Yorkers, you're always, you're, you're so tough or you're not that nice. Or, you know, isn't it nice to have, you know, door to door food delivery because you're not nice. I mean, that was not literally it, but it was always very much this tone. And it occurred to me that it's like, wow, the city has become so soft and safe and clean that it's almost like giving New Yorkers an identity crisis. And so you would see these ad campaigns that would be appealing to like people's inner assholes. Like I still want to see myself as tough and, and I can handle like a homeless person taking a shit on me, even though that never happens anymore. And now whatever, seven years later, it is happening again. Mm. Um, And there's Mm. various reasons for that, but um, you know, I, I can tell you that this was not going on uh, in, in, in 2015. There's something has radically shifted. Yeah, I think there's like I feel like a strong sense of disrespect from some some New Yorkers, not all New Yorkers who think that when I say, OK, there's a quality, there's a certain quality of life that I want and I'm not crazy wealthy. So I can't I can't have that yeah. quality of life in New York. You know, I would be the kind of person who would need to ride ride the subway. Um, and I would like well, that you ride subway, the subway to be... anyway. You would anyway because it's faster. Oh, you would. Everybody rides the subway. Really? Yeah, the subway okay. is much faster. But don't like oh, super yeah. rich people like they'll just you, they won't just take a car. They sometimes, but I mean, if you want to beat the traffic, okay. I always take the subway from okay. the airport because okay. it's like way faster. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There's these celebrities that you haven't seen. Like, look at the celebrity that we saw on the subway. There's Sarah Jessica Parker, you know, some captures, you know, look at her looking at her phone. Oh, wow. Uh, They're just like us. In the corner. They're They're just just like us. No, the subway is an amazing thing. It is. The fact that you would pay this one small amount of money and you could go anywhere. Yeah. And it's really fast. Yeah. Yeah. And And reliable, uh, like fairly reliable. Yeah, it is. It is. And and yet I just don't want to see I just don't want to see anybody, you know, like 
take their pants off. I just don't want to see it. And yeah. I will do a lot to avoid <laughs> it, including not live in a city. I just think about it in the sense that, yes, New York has amazing culture. I get it. Yes. You know, museums and art galleries. Although, who do you go every day? Like, who who's going? No. How often no, are you actually most, going? A lot of the Broadway shows are like, you know, square, Spongebob, oh square no, pants, no, no, the no, musical. No, yeah, no, 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 no to theater. Um, I just... <laughs> Well, not all of it. So all, you know what? You know what? Play. Um, so much of it is bad that I just can't even. the The other day, I was at. This is a tangent. We can cut it out. But there, there's a. There, the other day, I um, was at the dentist, and they had uh, Good Morning America or something, one of those kinds of shows on. <laughs> and there was there was in in part of the um, part of the sec one of the segments was they had these. I guess actors. What do you call Broadway perform Broadway performers on to sing a song from a from a new like new Man. upcoming show? This I, the, and it's called it's called Bad Cinderella. Okay, that's yeah. the that's the name of it. And that's about as you know interesting as it gets. It's not interesting at all. But like the the, the song, they're all up there. They're dancing. They're Cinderella. She's bad, Megan. She's just like she's like Cinderella, but she's bad. Like she's she she doesn't take take no shit from anyone. She you know, she's tough. She's a tough girl. I don't even. She's a badass. A, she's a badass boss bitch. It was Cinderella. the stupidest thing I think I've ever seen in my life. You know, I, I don't even know why. Why are why am I watching this? Why is this? Why is this? Because it's Good Morning America. These things are these things are so irrelevant. I mean, it's a it's pretty astonishing when you watch these these broadcast television daytime oh, yeah. shows. Yeah. Do and they have like the glass? You know how like on the t like a lot of the the sound stages and and of those shows they'll have like a big glass window so you can see the people walk by on the street. This is well, I I don't know if I I don't think there was actually not anymore. But I was watching one of the women that uh, there used to be. Kathy Griffin. And then there was another woman and they just would drink a lot. I don't know if you remember, but it's all the same people. That's what's I don't interesting. Think it's Kathy, I think Kathy Griffin is somebody else. You're thinking oh. of, um, yeah, no, you're thinking of um, Hoda and uh, Hoda and somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. But now it was just, Griffin. now it's just Hoda right. and she is, yeah. has no interesting opinions about anything. I can't believe it's on. I can't believe people are watching it. I just don't even understand any of it. Anyway, so with the New York thing, Kathy, I feel like Kathy Lee Giffords. Yes, Kathy yes, Lee Giffords. Yes, yes. That's not you're right, you're uh, right. Kathy okay. Griffin. Yes, yes. Different, two right. different people. You're right. You're right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel like uh, there are things that it has going on for it. I just don't know how much the average person actually takes advantage of, your th of those things. Meanwhile, you live in your house. You know, like it's nice to have a nice house because you live there. All You're spending all I your know. time there. I love my apartment, though. The thing is, I love my apartment in New York. Can you imagine if like, you know, because all those like I think it's ABC down there. They have these these huge windows. I think all the th all three networks probably have this like they have their soundstage and then it's on the ground floor and there's a giant window. So you can see the New Yorkers walking past. You can see the people walking past on the street. At this point, it could be just be like some homeless guy is going to like come up and rub himself against the window and like jerk off in the background as Matt Lauer or whoever is speaking quality quality TV that would be worth it well there is good stuff on uh, on Broadway I saw the layman trilogy um okay. a couple of years ago on Broadway which was excellent are they like but uh, I just feel like everything I've ever seen done by theater people is just so annoying you know what I mean like, you don't like, like any theater when it's by theater people you don't like Hamilton you're not a Hamilton stan I think Hamilton's over I I think I think Hamilton's overrated. You're allowed to say that now because he's been canceled overrated. now. You weren't allowed to say it like five years ago, but you can say it now because 
he's like uh he's been canceled well, if he's canceled he then I, that's then i'm for him if he's okay. canceled then i'm I then you like hamilton great. okay then yeah never mind okay so we are wandering around a more con- difficult topic yeah look i mean um you know it kind of reminds me of the bernie getz case which was, was was that back in the 1990s when um the guy, this guy riding the subway, there was so much in the nineties and the eighties, there was so much harass. Well, there was so much crime on the subway and people were being harassed all the time, but it wasn't by mentally ill homeless people. It was by bands of young men, Mm. young black men, uh, who were, there's not really like a formal gang kind of thing in New York, but just, you know, very, very young kind of roaming, violent, aggressive, um, youths. Yeah. guys mm-hmm. youth and th- it was scary to ride the subway i mean you definitely were you were definitely like looking out for people in a different way that you are now and yeah this like this white guy he was i don't know he was probably in his in his 30s i should look this up um maybe a little older but very meek you know had been bullied a lot was just constantly people were getting in his face on the subway pulled out a gun and just shot these guys. Oh my God. And it was, yeah, it was a, it was a big story. It was a huge deal. Um, and, and a lot of the defense was, yeah, it was, this was 1984. Yeah. He shot four black men on a New York city subway oh after God. they allegedly tried to rob him. Yeah. I mean, this was a real, uh, cultural political touchstone because, yeah. um, it just spoke to the degree to which the city had, the, the crime had gotten like out completely out of control. And people weren't going to take it anymore. And I feel like this is kind of analogous to that. Mm -hmm. There is a level of people have just been able to hold their nose literally and figuratively at at what's going on with with homeless people on the subway. But it's, you know, it's hard to talk about because these aren't like these these, these aren't like roaming uh, bands of violent youths. These are people who have substance abuse problems and obviously obviously huge, huge mental health struggles that aren't being cared for properly. Like these are victims themselves who are victimizing other people. Right. And so it's a, it's a, there's a level of complication there that of course people I mean, are unwilling I, I, to embrace. I, I feel like even given that, I think my frustration is that the tendency of way too many people is to intuitively, instinctively empathize with you know, the crazy homeless guy, you know, like in, instead of the, the the many, many people that this person is terrorizing throughout the day, you know, um, and that I understand that this person is might also be a victim, um, that the system also failed this person. And I agree with that. And I think that that's the biggest problem that we need to address. Um, having said that, when we're just looking at this, you know, one isolated issue, it doesn't make sense to me to 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 tell the average person that no, you just have to you just have to put up with this. You just have to. You're going to be threatened sometimes. You're going to feel like you're in danger, uh, and you need to swallow your instincts. You need to tell yourself, "Don't be afraid." Uh, you need to tell yourself not to be prejudiced or you know sanest, which is a new new word I heard. Um, sanest on, on Twitter, yeah, it's um, really brilliant, yeah, like brilliant, IST. Uh, not who is the sanest, yeah, like sanest is like if you're when you're prejudiced against men- mentally ill people. It, it's if you're if you're prejudiced against people with mental health issues. I think that's how they're using it. Which is, I mean, it, it, that's a that's just a 
wild burden to put on the average person who's just trying to get home. You know, they're just trying to get home and they don't want to get stabbed. That's all. They want to get home to their kids. They don't well, want to get stabbed. Wanna, yeah. And you don't want to get pushed and shot. I mean, there are people who have been shoved onto the subway tracks. No, it's it's pretty it's intense. It doesn't happen as often as you would think from the media. I mean, that's true. I, I would be I, I'm not afraid to ride the subways mm-hmm. in, in New York. I don't mm-hmm. think about it. Mm-hmm. I don't. I just you're aware of what's going on. I mean, there is something you're it's you're, there is kind of like a there's a sort of muscle memory. Like if you see somebody who's like walking around weirdly, you're going to move away from them. Yeah. It's just like all part of you're the not going to offer them a, a, a bowl of hot soup. Megan, no, I walk you, around you with sanest. bowls of hot soup in you. my bag when I when I go around. But no, but you're definitely you know you want to want to stay away from that. But yeah, the thing is, all these incidents have been captured on video. I mean, there was a thing going around a month or so ago, and I I think it was actually maybe old footage. Like this couple, they had a baby, they were on the subway, and this guy kind of like in the background was just had been had become fixated on them. It was like yelling oh, no. these you know this black guy in the background, white couple with the baby, and this guy was just sort of like muttering under his breath or just like fixating on them and like you know yelling at the father about you know I can't remember what it was, but it was racially charged. It was sort of you know kind of low level violent, but there was, it, it's the kind of, and and they were ignoring, somebody was filming the whole thing as Mm -hmm. these people just tried to diffuse it and ignore him. And there was all this commentary online, like, why didn't the dad step up and punch this guy in the face? Or like, why didn't, and it's like, he, or like this, or like this, this guy is so racist. This is the racial divides in the city are toxic. This guy's so racist. It's like, there's so many things going on here. Like this guy has mental health problems and there's like this subtext of racial animosity that he's probably absorbed from the culture. It's like when these people are going around yelling, you know, terrible things at Asian people, mm-hmm. it, they're almost always mentally ill, often homeless people that are like absorbing these messages and hearing voices and hallucinating. And some of it is coming out in the form of hate speech that is just kind of like they're, they're channeling somehow. So do you hold them responsible for, for a hate crime in that case? Even if you don't hold somebody responsible, that doesn't mean that you don't do something about the situation where you are in, you know what I mean? Like, I think those are two, like you, I think you bring up a really interesting and like nuanced point about now you it's like it, the, the situation that led to this circumstance is complex and there is it's not always easy to point the finger at any one particular person even given that in the scenario where you know you have person a that is encountering person b that seems unstable and seems like a threat and is saying th- threatening things there is a way to, you know there you don't now think about hmm did the, was this person just not loved enough as a child did his right. dad not give him enough hugs you don't think about that you you protect yourself and you protect your family and you protect other people around you who are innocent in that particular scenario um you you simply can't operate on the level that it seems to me that so many people want us to operate on, you know, like to to presume all these things about about an individual like in, the, in a in a real life encounter, in a real life situation, you have to deal with the information presented to you right then and there. And the information presented to the, you know, the people in that encounter was, from what we know, a a a man who was yelling abuse and threats at 
others on on the subway. That's what they knew. And that's the situation that they that, you know, that they acted in. And those are the you know, and, and then they and then some of those acts were um, now well are now being called deliberate intentional murder, which I find really, really disgusting. I saw a tweet by AOC, of like, of course, um, uh, very, very nuanced uh, AOC, dear new AOC. <laughs> um, you know, she tweeted. She's our nuanced queen. Uh, yeah. Jordan Neely was murdered, but because Jordan was houseless, houseless, that's a new one. Now you can't, you can't say homeless. That's bad now. You have to say houseless. Because maybe they do have a home, you know, like their home is is in a, a, in a box. Of, well, a lot under of people the, on the street do do actually have families who are looking for them. I mean, that this this is not. Yeah, but issue, what is but, what yeah, is houseless? This, yeah. Why why do we have to say houseless? Unhoused. Just say uh, just say unhoused or is it person of 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 no house? I mean, is it unhoused or houseless? Yeah, um, I think unhoused um, is actually the most new. It's like the most woke term. So she's already out of date okay. here. But, she, but anyway, she says, but because Jordan was houseless and crying for food in a time when the city is raising rents and stripping services to militarize itself. Yeah. I'm while sure many he, in power demonize the poor, mm-hmm. the murderer gets protected with passive headlines and no charges. It's disgusting. Murderer. Murder, no, murder, I mean, the murder. guy, they're going to have to prove in, intent. You that's not. Prove, but it's clear that's not what, clearly that's not what he wanted to do. I mean, it it does seem, I mean, from what I read, it does seem like this guy sort of jumped in. Um, There's there, there, there a slight Kyle Rittenhouse factor here, perhaps. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, he wanted to, yeah. he wanted to get on in on the action. I mean, it's, it seems to me. In this kind of situation, what you want to do is de-escalate it, uh, which jumping on somebody and putting them in a chokehold is not would not be an example. We of. don't actually but, know whether that was possible. And, and you can't actually you can't always de-escalate situations with very mentally ill people like there's not. No. And the fact is, I don't, there's, I don't know where the co- the other thing is, like, how are the cops being deployed? Because this is I, I would really like somebody to maybe we could get somebody in here to talk about this because I can't figure it out. It's not there are not fewer cops on the streets. Yeah, there used to be cops on the subway yeah. all the time and you you don't see them nearly as much anymore. They're not if, policing. If there had been a, if there had been a. Yeah, but I mean, there, so, but there's like several different issues. Yeah. I mean, the, the police are not able to get people off the street. You yeah. cannot force somebody off the street. So you're yeah. constantly seeing these negotiations with cops and people on the street. And they're like, hey, are you OK? Can we call? Can we help you? Can we take you somewhere? Can we bring you somewhere? And the person says, no, no, no. But then, you know, in that kind of situation, I think that the police presence would have probably prevented police that, from that actually can't do anything about the situation. Right. Or not that I mean, that's like, the, yes, there's cops. But the cops need to be able to police. They actually need to be able to protect other citizens. Yeah. And if that had happened, this guy would be alive. You know what I mean? Like this guy would be alive today if he had been actually taken off the streets when he should have been taken off the streets and he wouldn't have threatened anybody. And he would have he would have been he would have lived. So I just don't what I don't understand is is how we can move past in this past this situation if it's always incumbent on ordinary people to just, you know, not act, not protect themselves, not look out for the interests of their own, like their own family and their own well-being. Like, it's just think about how hungry this guy is. You know, um, I just I, I, f- I find it really um, perverted in how in how inver- inverted her um, sympathies are like AOC's sympathies, yeah. which is 
for this guy, you know, for this guy who has, you know, a, a, a long history of of assaulting people <laughs> like, oh, I know he had long, 42 long arrests. History. Yeah. Apparently he had 42 arrests on charges including petite larceny, jumping subway turnstiles, theft, and three unprovoked assaults on women on on women in the subway between 2019 and 2021. Yeah, there, there were, I was reading accounts of um, these women who were, you know, punched in the face, like 60, this was a 65-year-old woman who was randomly punched in the head um, when she was just like a, in, in a deli. Um, and, you know, she, 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 she said that she thought that the judge would, have to force him to take medication for his clear like psychiatric problems. Um, but it seems like he, he didn't, or he got out of it or whatever happened, but he got out of the system, you know, and it's just, uh, so, so, you know, what do you, what do you want people to do in this situation? People are not perfect gauges of threat levels. They don't always use appropriate force. They're not, you know, uh, they're not trained to use appropriate force. They're just act, they're acting in self-defense and they will, if you rely on citizens to defend themselves, you will necessarily have more excessive force, more deaths, like needless deaths, um, than what we would have if we actually had effective, you know, humane, well-trained, like, police force. Um, and I just don't know if this is something that some politicians understand, like, truly understand. Uh, and I, I also saw a lot of people, you know, one making the same, making the same, uh, or uh, refusing to make the distinction between, uh, manslaughter, you know, accidental death and murder, which is intentional death. Um, which I think, especially coming from a politician is really obscene. Like for a politician to say this, this guy killed him when, you know, mur intentionally murdered him is just, it's obscene, but she's going to get away with it. She always, you know, it's her base is you're talking eat, about AOC. AOC, yeah. Her base will yeah. just eat. will just eat it up. Um, but beyond that, there's just a lack of understanding of what force means. You know what I mean? Like it, there's. It seems to be yes. There's you, use of force is something different than police brutality. Police right? brutality. So, well, but just yeah. this understand this this feeling that there's a you know there's a kill button. You know, like when you have when you get to the point of physical force there's a level of risk, you know, you, you can, you can kill somebody by punching them. You really, you can, you know, a lot of people, when they punch other people, they don't mean to kill them, but it actually can happen. People, people die from slaps, you know, like a real strong slap can kill somebody and they do kill people. You know what? The second you get to the point of a physical altercation, there is a risk of serious injury or death. That's all that's already in play, you know, because there's no there's too many variables in any given situation. You have two people who are moving different, you know, in, in different ways. I think there's just like it, it's it's just baffling to me. It seems to me that there's just like a whole group of people, like a whole population of young people who just don't they don't have an intuitive understanding of what force looks like, what violence looks like, what fighting is or what it means. Well, they like, don't they have just... any idea of physical space, a physical interaction. I mean, yeah, I think everyone's yeah. just so flattened in their sensibilities. Yeah. You have to under you have to interpret your physical world. Yeah. They just don't, I don't think they just, they just don't intuitively just don't understand it. Like I, I saw so many people saying he shouldn't have used excessive force. He shouldn't have, he shouldn't have. Do I mean, and, and yes, we'll be talking about that for weeks to come about what he should have done or shouldn't have done. But even given that there's, there's always, even if you do all the right things in all the right ways, 
there's still a risk of death when when somebody starts using force, physical force. So let's not get to that point. You know, let's just not get to that point where citizens feel the need to do that to other citizens. Let's, you know, let's train a group of people who are supposed to do that. Let's remove people from the streets who really can't be controlled by anybody around them. Um, I don't know. I just, I feel like there's this, like a Marvel, you know, Marvel movie understanding of violence where, you know, you can just, you can punch somebody, you can throw them around and you can do, and they just don't die unless you want them to die, which is not how it works. Yeah. I mean, this is why we had groups like Guardian Angels back in the in the 1980s, this community policing concept. Like there was this group, Curtis Sliwa was this kind of cult figure. I think he's now a, was he, he's like a radio personality in New York now. I, he may, he may have run for office, but um, yeah, there was th- this sort of um, civilian patrol and they had these little uniforms and they were called the guardian angels. It was men and women and they would ride the subways and they were not armed, but they were very kind of big and tough sort of types. Mm -hmm. And the idea was to to protect people on the subways because the cops were not able to do the job. The city was bankrupt or recovering, you know, coming out of bankruptcy from the seventies. And it was, it was really, it was tough, but I guess like, you know, what people in big cities would say is that, okay, well, you can say all that, but there are people, we have armed citizenry in other kinds of places. The fact is that New Yorkers are not walking around with guns the way people are in a lot, lot of other places. So I think New Yorkers would say, well, okay, we have crazy people on the subway, but I don't worry every time I walk into a mall, I don't worry that a shooting's going to happen. I don't think most people, I mean, shootings are not, they're actually not that common. Like people don't, nobody right. really worries about that. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's, but they do worry about it. I mean, I have heard a lot of people say increasingly that they do worry about it, that they do worry about their kids. Yeah. A lot of parents tell me that they're worried about their kids in school. Yeah. The school thing. I think you can, but you can say that actually doesn't happen that often. We, we, every time it does happen, we see it and we hear about it, Mm -hmm. you know, many, many, many times over. Yeah. So the same thing with what what would happen on a subway. I mean, it's definitely, I'm not going to pretend that this is not happening on the subway because it does happen and it's constantly annoying. And I think you're, you're right. Like people don't, people can't tolerate it anymore. But it's not just about people tolerate. It's just in, in a situation where something like this happens, even if it happens very infrequently, if you're put in that specific situation, there is a risk of something really bad happening, you know, and just happening, not because anyone intended it to happen, but because there's a lot of unknown variables. There's, you know, people are have different states of minds when they do things. People have different physical tolerances. So there's somebody who might not die when being put in a certain position, but there's another one who might die because they right. who knows what kind of, you know, health problems that they have going on. There's just a lot of unknowns in that given situation. So even if this is a very infrequent thing, I just what frustrates me is is treating this encounter as if, you know, as if it's 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 murder it's sanest yeah. it's you yeah. know it's it's yeah and demonizing this man who you know maybe maybe at the end of the day maybe in weeks from now we'll find that he doesn't deserve to be demonized like there was something we're, we're not understanding from the situation there's something we didn't hear um but from what it looks like at the moment it doesn't seem to me that what he did was crazy it doesn't seem that you know uh that he had any intent to murder anybody. No, of course not. Um, so it's just, it, 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 it's, it, it's, it's 
frustrating to see people who should know better, you know, run with this anyway and kind of show off about how tolerant they are. And how, you know, right. look at me. I I don't think, you know, I I, I support mentally ill people and you just don't have a heart and you just don't have, well, it's a virtue you, don't have any, you don't have any humanity, you know, have some humanity. And it, I, I just know. can't I can't tolerate it. I just can't tolerate it. It's just con, con, constant virtue signaling, constant virtue signaling. And I don't I even know. I don't believe for one second that these people actually behave this way. In the real world. Like, I think this is the kind of thing that they say online and to each other. But when it comes down to it, like they would behave just like everybody else. If they saw somebody like that, they would look away. They would run away from they would go to the other side of the subway car. Yeah. You're constantly stepping over these people. I mean, that's the thing about New York is that it does wear down on your own humanity, because in order to walk down the street, you have to have this like tunnel vision and you ignore people who are coming up up to you or like asking for things. There are people passed out in the middle of the street on the sidewalk that you are literally stepping around. I mean, if somebody comes from out of town and walks around for the day with the New Yorker, they would be absolutely appalled at the coldness with which the New Yorker has to move through the world. Um, And that, and I think that people feel guilty about that. I actually think you're onto something because I think that the, the public virtue signaling is sort of almost a coping mechanism for the way we've had to just shut down our own kind of humanity to get through the day. Yeah. I remember even when my mom came to visit in DC. So DC doesn't have the same problems of New York, at least DC at the moment, because quite gentrified. Still, we have some homeless people. And when my mom came we kind of had a little bit of an argument. Like this is the first time she visited because we're just trying to walk down. Like we're just trying to walk down the street and there are multiple people who are asking for money and some of them are women. And often I notice that there's, there are women who will have like a baby with them or something. Uh, and they'll be like, yeah. this is my baby and help me feed my baby. Um, and I, I'll see those same women there over and over, you know, like it's kind of like it's, it's, but you just have to really, you just have to ignore them and walk, you know, just, yeah. And it's terrible to do that. And the first couple of times I encountered these people, I gave them money because I just, I was like, oh no, you know? And I even went home one time and looked up women's shelters because I saw, you know, one of these mothers and I was just so like, oh no, like she needs help, you know? And I'm going to go back and I'm going to give her the sheet of paper and she's going to have like, she's going to know where to go and that kind of thing. And it, a sheet uh, of paper? But, Sarah, you should have sent it to her on, on a on, management on, tool. Well, she mm-hmm. definitely had an iPhone and could have just <laughs> taken, but, you know, I, I, I thought, you know, I, I thought this is a person who needs help and I need to help them. That was my initial intuition upon encounter, encountering that. And then my mom, you know, by the time my mom came, I'm like a jaded, you know, uh, you know, cold, cold hearted person and just walk right past these people. And my mom is just trying to, she's just trying to give her money away. Like, she's just like, oh no, like, they, they, you know, she just has her wallet out. She was like shuffling through, uh-huh. how much do you need? You know? And I'm like, no, 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 put it away. We're going to go. <laughs> and she was like, what has this place done? Like, I can't believe you would ignore, like, that's a mother. And, <laughs> um, you know. But it's hard. Like, what is that? Okay. But what is that woman doing? So she won't go to a shelter. Is that her baby? Like what? None of the, I mean, there's just, but, but you have to just, just to move on with your day, you have to right. stop thinking about all of that. I did think about all that the first day yeah, and the second day and the third day. And then you just think, you know what? I need to move on. Like, and 
and then you do. And maybe it is. I think like- that's a huge part of this is people don't like what it says about themselves. So mm-hmm. it's much easier to go on Twitter and condemn this guy for taking action on the subway than to face the fact that you are stepping over people yeah. all day, yeah, every day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I definitely have a different perspective on it too now that I'm like a mother also, like with small, like, like at the second you start to have a vulnerable person with you, I think you behave, you start to behave very differently. But my, even my instinctive responses to seeing just like somebody who looks like they're a little off, you know, like they're not doing anything. They're not hurting you. They're not, you know, my, like prior to motherhood, I would have felt a great deal of sympathy for somebody like that. And if they didn't seem like they were violent, I might even be inclined to be like overtly friendly, you know, and like try and help them. Like, do they need mm-hmm. something? Can I help you? Like, are you okay? You know, like go up to them and ask them how they are. And then now, now that, you know, I have somebody who's like very precious with me. I don't behave that way at all. I, you know, the second I see erratic behavior, I kind of I instinctively run away from it and I get as far away as possible. And, you know, I wonder what that says about me, but I, I also don't, I don't feel guilty about it. No, you gotta, you gotta leave it, leave it to us childless people. We will just step, we'll throw ourselves in front of traffic for you. I'll I'll confront those people for you. So you don't have to. Okay. Not confront them. I'll reach out to them. I'll interact with them. Yeah. Give give them sheets of paper. Give them, give them, tell them, tell them how they're going to get a job. Like, here's how you can get educated. (laughs) Here's a free community college course. Do you want this Philo fax? So you can write down your appointments in this date book. Yeah. Because then you can get organized. I don't don't know what you meant by a Philo fax. Is that a, you don't know what a Philo fax is? No. Oh my gosh. It was, I felt so grown up and important when I, it was just this, it was like a kind of brand. It was this like classy brand of a little calendar date book, notebooks. Mm. And you would have it and you would write all your stuff down and um, you write your, I don't know. It just, you had your, I know this is, so you had your addresses in the back. Oh my God. And uh, yeah, you would have your contact. Yeah. This was before phones. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I, you don't want to lose it, but it was like a nice little book. It was like a little, little book and it had a leather cover and it would snapped and you opened it and you saw your, your day and you wrote everything down. And no, I get it. I used to have a lot of notebooks when I was younger. I just, I just wouldn't have thought of like a brand name or anything, but I, I definitely had yeah. a, a time of, of like heavy physical like notebooks and writing a lot in them and di- is having a diary. I did that for a little while, journaling. Um, oh, see, I never. Do you keep a journal? No. Me neither. No, but maybe I should. I don't know. I don't know what it's no. for. I don't think I do anything interesting. I think people I actually I'm I think I'm unusual this way as a writer because I never keep a journal. I don't journal as a verb. Uh, what does that mean to journal? Because I just. It just means that you just like write down your thoughts and you're, yeah, you know, you're supposed to wake up in the morning so. and like, right. But I, I always just see it as more work. It's yeah. just more writing. Yeah. Like why? I have enough <laughs> yeah. problems. Like if you're not going to pay me, I'm not going to write in this journal. Exactly. Megan pay Megan to write it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But people go back and read them. I mean, I think it is instructive. People say, wow, I went back and read my journal from 20 years ago. And I can't believe that I was obsessing about this same thing that I am now, or I can't believe this thing that I thought was such a huge deal. It's just nothing. I do think it's instructive to go back and, and read what in you were a thinking therapeutic a long time sense. Ago. Yeah. Yeah. In a therapeutic sense, re- but yeah. But, but I don't want to know. I don't want, I, I mean, and I don't even, I don't feel like I need that. I don't think I need that in my life. The, 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 the time that I spent a lot of time actually writing like a daily diary, where I was like a literal, like I was a child, I was like eight, you know? And so I have all these, 
um, you know, uh, diaries written in like cool gel pens, like shiny oh. gel pens um, of my day. And, yeah. you know, I would note down all kinds of things like fights that I had with people and like fights. humiliations, like just like schoolyard humiliations. Right. And um, and it's just it's just like a funny little thing. You know, it's like, oh, that's 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 the way I used to be. And that was that was that's funny. Um, but I don't get any other value from those. It's just like a little snapshot into the mind of yeah. an eight year old. But do you want to see into the mind of an eight year old all the time? No, it's just like a it's but, like a like an album, you know, like it's a it's um, a time capsule. I don't think I would have written anything yeah. when I was I think I would have I think when I was eight, I would have like just what I read, if I read a book where a girl character in the book was keeping a diary, I would have just like imitated oh my what gosh, I Megan. thought that that character did. Like, uh, yeah. The, uh, the, are you there? God, it's me, Margaret. Okay. I, you know what we should, I, I, apparently that movie, are you there? God, it's me, Margaret is excellent. Is it? Um, I was, I was harshing on, uh, the, on Judy Bloom uh before but apparently the movie's great so i'm gonna i know i don't expect you to see the movie but i might go see the movie i don't go see any movies i don't go see any movies and they're like i i'll, I I'll watch five movies in a year and that's it well like, and that's like honestly that's being liberal with with it i don't think Maybe you. i think that i might have to go some uh i think that you actually have to go to the theater to see this movie i don't think you can stream it yet mm. i might actually go but it's like so expensive by the time you park and go there it's like ends up being like 40 bucks i don't know why anyone goes to i mean freaking movie i think if it's movie is theater is worth it when it's like an imax type like an ex, you know it's a it's, <laughs> like it's something like, that's been shot if it was to hamilton be, and imax 3d no, no you know like like interstellar like i think that was the last imax movie i saw and it was great and it was like worth seeing in IMAX. It was just like, cause it was a beautiful visual experience, you know, and something yeah. like that, like Inception or whatever. Like what are those, I love one that. of those movies. Yeah. I think those are IMAX movies, but then, but then you don't really need to go to the theater after that point. Do you watch, okay. When you watch TV, do you watch it on your computer or do you have like a TV screen? Like it's often on my computer. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Okay. Um, I feel really lame about it occasionally um, I will watch it. Like I remember when Game of Thrones was still a thing and not total, total crap. Um, I, I did watch it on like a big, like the biggest screen we have. And, uh, and it was, and it was an exciting experience. And then I saw like a younger sibling of mine watch that same episode on their phone like this. Oh, and they were, like, teeny tiny. And they were like straining. I'm like, why are you doing uh. this? Why are you doing this? It wasn't even, sh- it it was actually like a beautiful episode, like beautifully shot thing. Right. It's like, experience it in something, some other form. What are you doing? You imagine all the work that goes into those episodes, the production design and the, and the costumes and the cinematography and the everything. And, and lost, then like people yeah. just watch it on their phones. I remember some director or other was really complaining about this, about how cinema's dead because, you know, you miss, they're just watching on these tiny screens and it's not meant to be viewed that way. And yeah, cinema is dead. Everybody, everything is dead. Everybody feels that way about everything. Music, cinema, art, writing, literature. Podcasting is alive. Podcasting is like. Substacks are alive. If people aren't watching our our, uh, YouTube version on the big screen, they're missing a lot. They're missing a lot of production design and 
very carefully thought through costume, hair, makeup, artistry. Yeah, I have a. Uh, we I both are feeling looking very wintry, even though it is May. It's today. It's freezing here. I don't it's know cold. about you, but it's, it's chillyish like, here too. It's chilly. I I've been had a fire in the fireplace the last couple nights. Oh. You have a fireplace? Yeah, that's nice. I do. That's cute. Spontaneously, I came home. There was a fire. I don't know who put it there. Uh, <laughs> no. Um, yeah. So, wow. Well, all right. Okay. So before we go to the bonus, uh, do you is, do you want to talk about anything you've been writing or doing? Yeah. Um, I've been writing a lot more frequently on my Substack, um, and people seem to be enjoying it. Um, and in this last post, I wrote a little bit about my uh, conversation with Louise Perry, um, uh, who is a very exciting and interesting thinker, um, and had a very interesting book come out on the sexual revolution, the case against the sexual revolution. Yeah. She very, was on my podcast. A very, very interesting book. Um, and so I was on, I was on our podcast uh, a little while ago and, it was interesting. We discussed we discussed religion um, quite a bit. Uh, we discussed motherhood and uh, the, the the need for, I guess, thriving communities. Uh, and so, I wrote a little bit about that um, on my Substack. I also wrote about why I'm. I don't think I'm a turf, and I wouldn't like. I wouldn't self describe. <laughs> I wouldn't describe myself if that you way. You have to explain. Then, well, um, I think maybe you are. <laughs> I think maybe when people use it as a slur, I think that they definitely want to include me and that's fine. I meant in the in the sense that outside of the slur context, I just think I don't know if I feel aligned with the gender critical feminists or the the radical feminists um, in anything outside of maybe this issue. And even then, not quite on this issue, because I don't think I I don't approach trans people in the same way i feel some of them approach trans people yeah now we were talking about this with kathleen stock yeah uh the other day i think some of the some of the radical feminists i don't quite see it the way they do yeah yeah and i mean to me it's just like this is a a bad ideology this is you know they're they have assumptions about the universe and those are bad assumptions um and to the in that in in that sense I agree with the the radical feminists. I think they're right. Like the gender critical feminists, I think they're they happen to be very very right on this issue. Having said that, I don't know if we're we're allies beyond that point. I don't know if um, that label really describes me because I find so much of feminism, you know, denies the reality of sex differences. You know, just they'll they'll yeah. accept it. They'll accept it when it comes to this issue. They'll talk about you know uh, how men and women are are so different in so many ways. And that's why you cannot have biological males in biological female spaces. But then like it, you can't just have that logic applied in that specific isolated case and ignore it in all the other cases where it makes sense to also apply it. Um, right. And that's, that's the feminist, uh, you know, that's, that's what feminism has been doing up until right at this point, you know, up until just like, just right now where a small yeah. percentage of them have cleaved off. Um, and, but it's a, it's, it's a thread that, you know, it's a line of logic that very clearly led to this point they're just taking it you know uh, gender ideologists are taking it one step further so mm-hmm. I, I i'm frustrated with uh i guess a lack of intellectual honesty in some of the 
gender critical camp, or maybe just, maybe I'm just uh, conflating feminism with gender critical feminism too much. No, Um, it's true. I think you make a good point. It's sort of like, oh, well, we didn't mean this. We've been saying this up until this time, but no, 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 not, not over here. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a kind of a, it's, it's a priming, right? Like they've, we've been primed to believe that actually men and women are not, you know, we're not different in any way that matters where, you know, where, where, uh, when it comes to participation in society, we should expect everything to be equal. Otherwise there's evidence of prejudice or there's evidence of some kind of uh, unequal treatment somewhere down the line that led us to, you know, not enough girl bosses in, right. uh, you know, fortune 500 companies and, you know, too many, too many, you know, boy bosses or whatever, but like, it just, it, it, we've been primed to believe that there's something wrong with with that because men and women are not different, you know, or not different in any significant meaningful sense that might lead us to to, to this point. Feminists did that. Like that was feminism. That's what that right. was. And I agree with them in some cases where, you know, I think, you know, maybe if there is a difference, we should in in many ways in society, we should pretend as if there isn't and treat individuals as individuals. Like I think there is a separate case to be made for treating people as individuals and that that is uh, valuable, you know, it, it, on its own, you know, um, because even within women and men as populations, you see a lot of individual differences. So it makes sense to treat people as individuals. Having said that, then when we look at societal trends, we shouldn't be shocked when we see proportions of of things being you know unequal um that's actually what we should expect um yeah if society was indeed fair so i just you know uh very annoyed by by all of that so do you think the dam is breaking though people are people are more willing to something's changed definitely people are more willing to talk about it i think that's that's true i don't know if the dam is breaking because the, the the problem with this issue is that there are too many people who have gone too deep, you know, like by Mm -hmm. the time you have modified your body in this way, you know, like permanently sometimes like it is really important if you are that person to then pretend as if, you know, to to then continue to feel as if you have made the good, a, a right and good decision. Um, because it's too late to go back. Um, and that feeling of regret isn't always helpful. And a lot of people, you know, necessarily like for the sake of their own egos, don't want to go there because that will cause a lot of pain. Uh, and sometimes pain that might be even be unnecessary because it's too late. You know, it's too late to go back. Yeah. Um, so I think that you have you we will have a a large segment. I mean, not large, but let's say significant, a significant segment of the population that will have walk down this path uh to 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 a level to a point at which now they can't really go back you know now you can't just hit the reset button easily um without creating a lot of you know social chaos uh but also like you know physically there might not be a way back um and those people are going to resist uh even if the dam is break even if people are pushing back against uh, you know, medicalization of children, even if there's a lot of public, uh, you know, awareness of the the potential downfalls of like gender ideology, there are, 
are increasingly more and more people who are emotionally invested in this being yeah. true and their parents yeah and their parents and their parents who facilitated that's it i mean parent. that's what i ca- i can't imagine being a parent who made that decision or had this happen on their watch and then even being able to entertain any shred not of going regret to. i mean they're not going to no i think i said might have said this before it's like when you see people online i often see parents say things like look you know, we're just, we're just trying to raise our trans kid here. It's, it's hard enough. Like, well, I don't, I don't want to hear about this legislation. I don't want to hear about this pushback. Just leave us alone. It's hard enough to do this. Yeah. And what they're really saying is it's hard enough to live with this decision that we've made. And you can't, you can't reverse it, especially, especially with children. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I mean, I, it's, it's unimaginable. I mean, there are so many things in life that you just have to sort of reframe in your own mind because the decision has been made. We all, it's this idea of regret. What is, I was having a conversation with somebody recently. can't remember what it was just, oh, it was with Stella O'Malley. She was on um, the unspeakable. um, And she's, you know, she's talks about these issues a lot. She's the host of co-host of gender, a wider lens. We were talking about just adolescent psychology more broadly, but she said, you know, admitting regret or even facing regret is incredibly terrifying Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because you have to just incorporate it into your mindset. You can't fix it by definition. Regret is not reversible. It's, it's a fixed state. Yeah. It cannot be fixed. Yeah. It is fixed and it cannot be corrected. Um, and so I think that that's something that people are just going to have to like. I don't think they're, they're just not that. Yeah. They're not going, if you're, I can't imagine those parents eat. I just can't. I mean, of course, some percentage of them are just like narcissists and don't care, you know, of, of, of what the there's harm that they're causing. I mean, there's, there's some the, of that. The, Munch, the Munchausen's by proxy there's some crowd, of that, but, but the vast majority yeah, yeah. thought they were doing the right thing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I, I cannot, I can't, I can't even hold the thought in my head, you know, uh, for too long because it is so disturbing to think that you might have, uh, you know, permanently, uh, permanently impacted your child and their health and their development, their cognitive development, their, you know, I mean, in such a, in such yeah. a profound way it is. And, and, uh, you know, you followed the, the advice of your, of healthcare providers, um, you know, diligently, you did what you were told. I, I was right. watching, you know, just the other day, I was watching an interview with uh, parents of a, of a of a so-called trans child. And they're basically like, we're, we're doing what the doctors tell us to do. Like, this is, we're following the science where this is what the doctor said. This is what the evidence says. And we don't want this happening to our, you know, we don't want our child being like suicidal or whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. and they, and they're, they're doing that. And they're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like the husband's sitting there, like nodding. And they're very, you can tell like they're these uh, you know, nice libs, you know, who have, yeah. who have all correct educated, opinion, edu- educated edu- people yeah. who, who, you know, donate to, you know, volunteer in their local community, like that kind of person. And now they're, they're, they're doing something to their child that, um, might be catastrophic no, really, know. you know, to, to their health. Uh, they're not, yeah. those people are never, I mean, those people are always going to say, I didn't do, you know, their mind just won't allow them to go there. Very, very few and people. And maybe for the sake of their kid, but like, I mean, if they did allow their minds to go there, would that actually be hurting their kid more? Yeah, I just don't arguably? know. I, I don't know what you do in that scenario. I don't know what the, what the best thing to do is in that scenario. Um, 
I just know like just in terms of uh, the human desire to avoid pain, you know, you're not mm-hmm. going to put your, you're not going to start to uh, really, really consider that there might be something bad, something sick, something wrong going on here. If you're the parent of, of these kind of, chi- of these children. So unfortunately I think that that's, that there, there's a, that population is not going to bend easily. Not just because, not because they're like insane radical activists, but because, they don't want to talk about they don't want they they don't want to go there. They don't want to admit this to themselves, so they won't admit it to you. So they won't even, you know, they're not even going to entertain that thought um, yeah. openly and, and, and publicly. So no. from that perspective, I think you can convert the people who, you know, don't aren't personally um, connected to it in any way, like either because they're not trans or the children and loved ones aren't trans. But once you get to the point of, you know, somebody and you and you encourage them, maybe, you know, like and you allow them to do it if, if you're a parent, that's when uh, we get into a different kind of terrain. And the fight that we're the, 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 what you're facing is not ideological disagreement. It is something else. Well, we should go to the bonus because I have to catch a plane okay. pretty soon here. But um, well said. All right. Well, this was this that's was a better good. point than nobody should live in New York City, which it, so, well, actually, um, well, I mean, someone has to. So somebody has to live in New York City. One one person needs to live there. Otherwise, you need two people. You need somebody to ride the subway and another person to harass them on the subway or to drive the subway, though. Somebody needs to drive the subway. Oh, they don't somebody do that. That's, to... Somebody's actually there. Oh my god! It's not god, like automated. Sarah. What, do you, what do you think it's automated? Yeah, there's a subway driver. There's a sub. There's a. There's two people. There's the subway driver, and then there's the person who opens the doors. What? It's two jobs. Oh my god! Yeah, of course. These are very coveted jobs. Oh my! Yeah, and they god. announce the stops. They go and they announce the well, stops. A computer can it... a computer no, can do this. No, you think that if it was a computer, it would be it would be like remember there was a famous SNL sketch where there was a you could never understand what the subway announcers were saying, and there was a famous SNL sketch where the subway. Um, the subway workers were like got together for a party or something and they were standing around and they all started talking and they were like, because it's completely unintelligible. It is. It is. It's like doctors and their handwritings. Like somebody, yeah, so we exactly. need to, something else needs to happen here. Okay. Exactly. So okay. that is not automated. Those are not auto- automated voices. So yeah, okay. that's, the, that's the beauty today, of today the I magic learned. of New York. Yeah. All right. Well, all right. Thanks everyone. Talk. Thanks, everyone. See you next time. Bye. Hi, it's Megan from A Special Place in Hell. If you enjoyed the show and want to support it, there are a couple of ways you can do that. The first is to join our Substack at aspecialplace.substack.com. There you can get access to bonus content every week. You can participate in listener comment threads, and you can even join us for Zoom Hangouts, where we get together and talk about the show and answer all of your questions. You can also rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts, including on our new YouTube channel, which is called A Special Place in Hell. Sarah and I are really excited about the future of the podcast, and we're so grateful to have you along with us. So thanks for listening, and we will see you in hell.